All right, good morning, Reach Church. All right, it is a good day to worship the Lord. Uh, before we jump in, uh, I'm looking, I'm looking. Is Jalen here? Stand up for me, stand up for me. So, uh, we have a new addition to the church. Uh, Brett and Teresa have welcomed Jalen Lovelace. So, good to have her here. <laughs> <laughs> good, good. You deserve it. All right. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, kids can head out. They're heading out now. And pray with me. Father, we thank you for uh, the riches of your great love. And Father, we recognize that, that Jesus should be enough for us. And that we should be able to say that you are all that we want. And that you are all our wealth and our treasure. And Father, yet we... We say that knowing that as much as we want that to be true in our hearts, it is not. And so, Father, we ask that you would change us. Father, would you help us to see Jesus and to, to love him and rejoice in him? Father, I ask that the, the words of that song would be true in us. We know that if, that needs to, if that's going to happen, you need to change our hearts and, and work by the Holy Spirit. So would you do that? Would you use even uh, your word now to change us that we may fall in love with Jesus? We pray in his name. Amen. All right. So, we've been walking through the Ten Commandments. We've been looking at how, how the Ten Commandments turn. Commandments are how Jesus turns the Ten Commandments into promises. Into promises. The commandments as they are, are dead. Unless Jesus fulfills them for us and fulfills them in us. That he promises that the things that he, he desires for us, he actually gives us and, and changes our hearts to to make possible. So today we're looking at we're looking at the eighth commandment. The eighth commandment, you shall not steal. You shall not steal. And thinking about this commandment this week, I have to admit that I had trouble like really really getting into it because this it seems like the the superficial commandment. It doesn't feel very deep. We actually have a deeper commandment, thou shalt not covet, which is like the heart of wanting things. But this one is just, is stealing itself. It's stealing itself. And so you can't, can't cheat and jump into coveting. And so we have to think more about this one. We have to examine our hearts more. We have to look at the, the underlying meaning of this commandment. That we can't just say, okay, don't, don't go and shoplift and you're good. What is God actually looking for in this commandment? What does he love? What is he trying to protect? And so we're going to look at, uh, we're going to look at kind of the underlying idea of, of how we should think about our possessions and what we own. We're going to talk about what God wants us to do with those things that he's given us. And then finally we're going to talk about how this commandment reveals the gospel. How this is, our, our salvation is revealed in this commandment itself. Alright? So that's the plan. Exodus 20, 15, you shall not steal. Let's jump in. Let's jump in. All right, so first we need to lay a foundation for just a worldview. How are we supposed to think about the things that are ours? The things that are ours. And this is very much uh, the foundation because if, if we don't agree with this kind of underlying notion, then nothing else is going to make sense. All right, so there's, there's, there's ideas on, on ownership, on ownership. So first, let's talk about the first one. Right, we have kind of like the communism-socialism thing. This is the, the idea that the things that are, are yours are not ultimately yours. They're societies. 
that this is collectively things are ours. And therefore, society can, can say what, what is unequal and can make laws that say, okay, you can take, take this for this person. That person doesn't have enough. We're going to give it to them. All right. This commandment actually, actually reinforces the fact that things are, things are individuals. Things are peoples. And we have to reconcile that in our own hearts, that, that God has given some people more and some people less. And that we can try to manage human hearts with, with things like socialism. But ultimately, things, are, things are, belong to individuals. They have been given to them by God. And we have to think, okay, what is, what is the individual responsible for? And are we content with what God has given us individually? And can we accept that God has given other people different amounts? And how do we think about that? All right. But, but the one that I think is more relevant to us, we tend to jump to the other side. All right, so things aren't societies. Things are, things are mine. Things are mine. Things belong to individuals. And therefore, I get to do whatever the heck I want with them. If God gave it to me, he didn't really give it to me. He, I earned it. I earned it. And if they want to get what they need, they need to go earn it themselves. All right, we need to start breaking. We have to break down that fundamental notion that things are ours because we earn them. My argument is that, that things are not ultimately ours. Things are God's. Things are God's. So how, do you, how, did you, how did you earn the things that are yours? How did you earn them? All right, you hopefully didn't steal them. You, you, you work. All right, so you have jobs. And jobs are a gift from God. Jobs are a gift from God. If you, God didn't want you to have a job, he could keep you from having a job. There are qualified people who look for jobs and do not have them. And do not get them. It is a gift. All right, so you're given your job. Below that, below that, you're given... You're given the skills that you need to do that job. You're given the, the mental power to do your job. You're given the, the hands physically to do the job. You're given the breath each day to, to complete your work. All right, let's take, it, let's take one step further. All right, you are given all the opportunities as gifts. So you're given an education. You were born in this country where there are jobs. where society is stable and where you can reasonably expect a job. All right, below that, you were just given enough life to make it to today that you could have been dead three days ago, a month ago, a year ago, 10 years ago. Everything is a gift. And that's where we start to see that these things that we think we've earned have been given to us by God. And we've been sustained along the way. And if we had 75 less IQ points, if we were born in rural Nepal, if, if we were born with blind or without hands, there's all these things and we just like, okay, we're overwhelmed by the ability to, to see the gifts of God. Then we have to admit that the things that we have are not are not ours, they are God's. And if they are God's, then, then these are just possessions that he has given us. 
These are his things that we, we possess. We get to hold in our hands for a short amount of time. But they belong to him. And if they belong to him, then he gets to tell us what to do with them. And we're actually obligated as stewards to follow his heart and to seek out his heart in what he would have us do with his gifts for his glory. All right. That's kind of the fundamental worldview of the Bible. That's what it's saying. All this stuff that we have fundamentally is. Now, if you're not on board with that, then, then the rest of the sermon is not going to make any sense. Because, God, don't tell me what to do with my money. I, it's mine. It's fine. But it, it, it builds beyond that. And that alone is, is, requires a, a big heart change in us. That we accept the things that, that God has given us and we accept that God has given other people other things. And then we have no right to change that balance. And we have to wrestle with contentment in that. And acceptance of that. And even a, a grateful acknowledgement that God has given you exactly what you need. Alright, that's the foundation. That's the foundation. But, this commandment is not the foundation. The commandment is, is trying to teach us, okay, so you have what you have as a gift from God, what does God want you to do with it? How does God want you to acquire these gifts? And how does he want you to use them? Those are the two fundamental questions we're looking at here. How are we supposed to get the things that God is giving us? And how are we supposed to use them? All right. The first one, the first one I'm going to say is that we're supposed to acquire the gifts of God in a way that is just that we're supposed to uphold justice. All right, so let's, let's talk about the history here. Remember, this is, a, this is ancient Near Eastern stuff. This is not, not the laws of America. These are the laws of, of Israel. All right, and, and what did God just do for Israel? God just released them from slavery in Egypt. From slavery in Egypt. That Egypt had, had stolen from the Israelite people. They had stolen their freedom. They had stolen their wages because they were slaves. Um, they had stolen their whole lives. And God heard the cry of his people and he, and he gave them justice. He gave them freedom. He delivered them from oppression. And then he brings his people to Mount Sinai and he lays down his Ten Commandments. He says, okay, as one of them, you were a people who were oppressed. You were people under injustice. You were people who were mistreated, don't go and become the oppressor. Don't go and become the, the slave driver. Don't become unjust because I've given you justice. Now with that in mind, there's a bunch of laws that come out of that. That express that heart of God that he loves justice. Alright, stealing. Stealing, first of all. Just normal run-of-the-mill stealing. We don't steal because we trust that God has given people what, what is theirs. And to steal from people is to steal from God. That God gave the gifts to that person and he didn't give the gift to you. Anything less than that is, is unjust. Alright, second, second. Talk about slavery. Slavery itself. God calls slavery evil. And he tells his people not to do it because... 
an unjust way of treating people. Simple as that. This is not a, a good way to, to increase your wallet size is to enslave people and okay, we're good with that. All right, I'm on board with the no slavery thing? Yes, all right, good. All right, uh, things like workers, pay, your, pay the wages you promised your workers. If you promise wages, pay them. That you don't get to grow rich off of stealing money from your workers. All right, that kind of stuff. It's simple stuff, this makes sense. This makes sense, it's a matter of justice. Now, as we think about this, okay, what does this mean for you and me? What does this mean for you and me? All right, first of all, first of all, we actually have to think about these things. I know it's hard, we don't care. We don't care about justice inherently. And we don't want to ask the question, okay, is, is there anything unjust in my life? But God is calling us to, to care because he cares. And holistically, the, the Orthodox Church has not cared about these things. We have not cared about justice. We've largely kind of taken a blind eye to it. And ironically, that's why Israel is destroyed. That's, that's a displeasure to the Lord. I think there's something in us that hears kind of talk about justice and, and defending the oppressed, and we think, okay, liberal church, we don't want anything of that. Let's move on to the, the real theology, the real stuff. All right, justice is part of the real stuff. That the church throughout history has, has said that justice isn't the real stuff, and God has continually said, no, my heart is for justice. I love that, and I care about that, and think about that in your lives. All right, so you have to think, okay, who are you stealing from? Because you might actually be stealing from someone. Uh, taxes. Taxes count as stealing. All right, just because, just because they're a big government, it seems like they have enough money, doesn't mean it doesn't count that you're stealing from them. If you're stealing from them, you're, you're stealing from them. All right, and like, okay, like Hollywood. Hollywood has plenty of money. Why can't I steal, steal movies? All right, like, it, that's, uh, that's how we think about it. Like, because it's unjust and it's not yours. It's as simple as that. Like, it's still breaking the commandments. We don't get to just, like, wash over that kind of stuff. All right, but, but then we start going, like, okay, do the clothes that I wear, are they cheap because they're built upon injustice? Like, is the coffee that I drink because, like, other people are, are enslaved somewhere and, and mistreated. Is, should I be eating the food that I eat for as cheap as it is because because someone else is is being stolen from? I know that starts to get really complicated and really big, but if we love justice, that, that's the kind of questions that we're going to ask. And we're going to actually get excited about those kind of questions and excited about people who care about that stuff not kind of think it's the petty stuff and, and don't bother us with that. Because God does care. Alright. That's the negative side of this commandment. And the negative side is actually the easy part. Alright, don't, don't commit injustices against people. But then we have the positive side. Every commandment has a positive side. Jesus doesn't get excited about the negative ones. All right, he's like, like, oh, like you didn't steal anything, you didn't murder anyone, like good, good on you, you've been a great believer today. 
All right, he pushes us further. He pushes us further. He wants the positive side. What is the positive side of this commandment? What does he actually want you to do with your possessions? I think throughout the law we see he wants you to use your possessions to give grace to other people. To give grace to other people. Now grace is just a fancy word that means to give people the opposite of what they deserve. To give them more than they deserve. To give them things that they, they haven't earned for themselves. And that that's what God wants us to do with our possessions is to give grace. Now what did that look like in ancient, ancient Israel? There are actually like weird laws that talk about this stuff. All right, so, so you, you are an olive, olive grower, all right, and you have an olive tree. How you get olives off is you, you, shake, you shake the tree and the olives fall off, and then you pick them up. All right, the law was you're only allowed to shake that tree once. It's one good shaking, and then you're done. Because everything else is left for the, for the poor people who cannot earn their olives for themselves. If you have a vineyard, you're allowed to go through, cut the big clusters off, and then the rest is, is grace for people. It is mercy for people. They, they get to go in and get what they did not earn. The poor, the foreigners, the widows, the orphans. Now this feels weird to us. It's like, why, why should God be dictating these things? It's because possessions are supposed to be moving towards grace. that the whole law actually has this, this grace element built into it. All right, what does this mean for us? What does this mean for us? Uh, Ephesians 4.28. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. So that he may have something to share with anyone in need. All right, stealing moves to working, moves to, to sharing and to giving grace. Now, we are called to, to use our possessions to give grace to people. Now, we tend to understand that in like a relational sense, giving grace to people. That means giving forgiveness to people. If they mistreat us, we, we treat them well back. We take offenses. We don't punish people. We're kind of bad at this when it comes to financial grace. When it comes to financial grace. When it comes to financial grace, we tend to talk about things like, like the, the deserving poor. How can we make, make sure that they've earned it? How can we kind of test them and make sure that, the, that only like the, the qualified people get it? All right, that's not grace anymore. That's not grace, that's work. We're making them work for it. We don't believe in, in works, we believe in, in salvation by grace giving grace to people. Financially, it should be the same way. I found myself, I was dri driving down the, down the road, I saw a homeless guy, and I was thinking, okay, what's the best way to, to care for the homeless? And I was like, okay, you could give them money. And I thought, no, no, they'll abuse that. They'll, they'll use that money to buy drugs. <laughs> All right. So I thought, okay, uh, I could give them a Chick-fil-A gift card. But, they could trade that Chick-fil-A gift card with another homeless person and get drugs. <laughs> All right? They could sell the Chick-fil-A gift card, get money, and use the money to buy drugs. <laughs> if I, maybe, maybe I am reinforcing their lifestyle of laziness 
and that in their sloth, they're going to run to bad things and start doing drugs. All right, and it just became this big thing like, how, are, how, can, I, how can I micromanage this person's life so that they, they might not misuse the grace that I'm giving them? Now there's wisdom, and then there's just killing grace altogether. And I realized, I don't want to give grace. I want to give law to these people. I want to give attachments and, and strings attached and conditions and make them work for it. All right, grace is not grace unless it can be abused. Now, we all know that personally because we have all abused grace. We have used what was freely given to us and, and used it to, on sin. We've used our freedom to, to run from God and to mistreat God and mistreat other people. There are people who have received much grace from God. They're extremely wealthy. And what have they done? They've just used it on sin and, and terrible things. But God still does that. And we have to realize that may, maybe we're, we're less gracious than God is with us. That we don't have the same grace that God has for us. That we're, we're stingy and we don't trust people and we, we will not give grace. All right. Not stealing, working, giving grace. And then Jesus takes it one step further. Takes it one step further. Now, I've been talking about the Sermon on the Mount in a lot of these. Does the Sermon on the Mount talk about stealing? Not, not in so many words, but it does talk about this positive part. It talks about how you're supposed to give to people, how you're supposed to give grace. And what does he say? He says, when you give, make sure your right hand doesn't know what your left hand is doing. Your left hand doesn't know what your right hand is doing. That you even don't, don't know what you are doing. Now, why? Because most of the time when we give, we don't give graciously. We give because we want things in return. We want the praise of other people. We want the thanks, the thanks from the person. We want them to, to, to smile at us and think we're nice. We want ourselves to feel good about ourselves. Like, yeah, I, I am that kind of person. And then we meet someone who, who is unseen and who doesn't offer any thanks and who acts like they deserve it. And then are we gracious and are we generous? No. Because suddenly it's not worth it anymore. Because that is really grace and we don't want to give grace to people. All right, that's this commandment. This is not the shoplifting commandment. This is the grace commandment. And just like everything else, these commandments are for, for you personally. You are not where you should be. I am not where I should be. This is not the heart I have. We sang earlier, like, Jesus is my greatest wealth and treasure. And like, no. That's why, that's why we have Jesus. That's why we have Jesus. Because you are not a good person. You are not of the fulfillment of this commandment. But Jesus is. But Jesus is. Alright, who is, who is Jesus? Jesus is the perfect revelation of, of God. And he came to give grace to people. He came to give justice to people. 
So we can tell the gospel two ways. We can tell the gospel as, as Jesus coming to give justice to his people. That we were oppressed. We were oppressed by sin and Satan. We are enslaved to evil. That sin had come and, and robbed us of our joy and our hope and our peace and our comfort. Had stolen life away from us. That we were oppressed and that Jesus came and he was oppressed for us. That he was maligned and mistreated. He was hated. He was slandered. And that he went through this mock trial that was nothing but injustice. So that he could give us justice. So he could give us his freedom. He could give us peace and comfort. He would take the shackles off our hearts. Jesus came to give freely. Now I wish that that were the only way we could talk about the gospel because we like that one. Because then we kind of are the victims and we can just like, oh, like thanks Jesus for helping us. We just like really needed you to take care of things. But he gave, came to do a second thing. Jesus came to freely give grace. That we are also the oppressors. That we have stolen from one another. That we've stolen from God. We've stolen God's time. We've stolen his glory. We've stolen his reputation. We've, we've wrecked his namesake. That we haven't fulfilled this commandment. And that Jesus came that he might give us the things that we need. That he might give us his righteousness. He might give us his perfection. He might give us his, his holiness, his glory, his beauty his self-control. They might actually die for our sin. That's the point. That's the point. And my hope is that that, that changes how we think about God. Alright, if God is a stingy guy and you think, okay, God is just out to steal all of my happiness. He's, kind of, he's, stealing, he's stealing my pirated movies. Now he's taking that away too. Like he's nitpicking my clothes. God is just like making my life miserable. If that's the God you believe in, you're going to be a miserable, stingy person who steals from people. Because you're just reflecting your God. But if, if Jesus is the one that is, is your filter, your lens to see God, you're going to love being like him. You're going to love doing the things that he does. You're going to love grace and justice. All right, what's an what's a analogy for this? So, uh, so let's take the, the Super Eagles fan. All right, Super Eagles fan. And we've all seen those people. Okay, they have like the, you didn't even know they had Eagles shoes, but they, they found them somehow. And they have like the socks and the shorts and the jersey and the hat. And on their car, there's like an Eagles decal. All right. Yeah, yeah, okay. We all know those people. All right, when they walk, when they walk through Target and they see, like, the, the eagle's wall, all right, what are they thinking to themselves? Are they thinking, like, oh, no, I have to buy more eagle stuff. Like, this is a curse upon me. I, I feel guilty if I don't buy anything. No. No, they want to do it. They want eagle stuff because they love the eagles. And so what do they do? They buy too much eagle stuff. They have to restrain themselves. That their heart is pulling them towards more eagle stuff, towards better season tickets. 
but like their wallet and their wife is keeps restraining them, okay? That's, that's all that's coming in between them and more eagles. All right. Uh, all right. That's a heart that is like, loves the thing. And that's what Jesus is, is trying to give us. That we would love Jesus and we'd love justice and grace. Because we're just excited about justice and grace. And we love that we've received it. And we love giving it to other people because we love Jesus and we love the things he loves. And so the question is not like, how much can I give so I don't feel guilty every Sunday? The question is like, God, how much more can you give me that I can buy more justice and, and grace? That I invest more in justice and grace so I can like pour it out and, and have more and more and more. That's the fulfillment of this commandment. That's the fulfillment of this commandment. And the only way that's going to happen is if we look at Jesus more and more and more. And we start this tally of all the things Jesus has given us. That we start to be overwhelmed by the grace and the justice that has been poured upon us. That we fall in love with them and just want to pursue them with all our heart. Now how is that going to happen? That's going to happen by by looking at Jesus and loving him and enjoying him and just, just beholding what he has done for us that our hearts may change. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are, you are the great giver. You have given us all things and you have ultimately given us Jesus. That you saw our sinful hearts and you saw our need of forgiveness and our need for obedience, and so you gave us Jesus. Father, we confess that, that we do not have these hearts. That we do not rejoice in injustice and grace. And Father, we are a stingy people, and, and we honestly like it that way. Father, would you forgive us and we thank you that you have forgiven us in Jesus, that you have, you have cleansed us from every sin, you have taken away all of the, the shame and guilt of our sin, and Father, you've given us Jesus. I ask that you would, you would shape our hearts, that we would love justice and mercy and grace, and Father, run after them as we run after Jesus. May we love the things he loves. Would you give us the heart of Jesus? We pray this.